This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. A warm welcome to you from the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We've been studying the parables of Jesus in our series, Stories with Intent. Please stay with us today as we talk about forgiveness in our message entitled, Forgiving Much, Loving Much. Today we're going to take a look at a classic story about forgiveness. I hope you'll stay with us as we continue our sermon series on the parables of Jesus. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Almighty God, we draw near to you to worship you and to hear you speak to us through your word. May the words of my mouth and the worship of our hearts be pleasing to you. For you are our rock and our salvation. Amen.
Our reading for today is taken from Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who's touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, Simon, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she's bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love, but the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with Jesus began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Thank you. 
Dear friends, if you want to get people to really listen, tell them a story. People love stories. Jesus knew that well, and so he told parables to puzzle, to get people to think, to convict, to encourage, and to awaken them to kingdom truths. Each of his stories had a purpose, an intent. Some have said that a parable of Jesus is an earthly story with a heavenly truth. Our parable for today, which has one of those heavenly truths, was told as a result of something that occurred at a dinner table at a home in the city of Nain. Jesus had raised a young man back to life in that community earlier in the day and had also done quite a bit of teaching. Well, there was a man named Simon who was a Pharisee. He was considered holy and special and very religious, a leader in his community. He invited Jesus to come and have dinner with him and his friends in his home. Obviously, he had heard the talk around town about Jesus being called a prophet of God after raising this dead boy back to life. Simon had probably even gone out to hear him teach that day. So he wanted to get to know him. Truth be told, he actually wanted to check Jesus out, test him, ask some hard questions. He was a bit skeptical of this Jesus. And in all likelihood, he was probably even threatened by Jesus, as were the other Pharisees. After all, their influence and leadership could erode because of Jesus and his popularity and his teachings. He didn't teach like them. So Simon had Jesus in his home to find out more. When Jesus reclined at the dinner table, which means he positioned himself on his side in front of a low sitting table with his feet, they'd be sticking out behind him as he ate. That's how they ate in those days. And typically in those days, the front door was left open for observers to listen in to the conversation with a celebrity such as this. So there were observers on the sidelines at this dinner. One in particular caused quite a stir. A woman from that community with a soiled reputation came up behind Jesus, whose feet were sticking out behind him, and she knelt down, and with tears rolling down her face, she lowered her face to his feet and washed them with her tears. Next, she let down her hair, which was considered very inappropriate public behavior in those days and she dried his feet with her hair. She had come with a little alabaster jar of expensive ointment, and she put it on the feet of Jesus and then began kissing his feet. She didn't say a word. To the shock of others, Jesus let her do that. In fact, Jesus even looked pleased about it. Simon, though, was horrified and critical towards Jesus. He thought to himself, now I know. 
He can't be a prophet. Otherwise, he would know her sinfulness and refuse to let someone like her even touch him. She's a sinner with a capital S. He definitely is not a prophet from God. Now, ironically, Jesus reads Simon's mind, which must have blown his mind, (laughs) startled him. And he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Simon says, teacher, speak. That statement in itself might have been a bit of a put down towards Jesus. He is now only a teacher in Simon's mind, an equal at best. And Jesus tells him a short parable. A certain money lender had two debtors. One man owed him a little, a couple months wages, and another one owed him a lot, ten times that. Now when they could not pay, the lender canceled the debt of both of these men. Jesus paused and then asked Simon, which one of them would love the man more? Simon said, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. Jesus said, you've judged correctly. But then he continued, you see this woman, you didn't even do me the small common courtesy of washing my feet when I came in. She washed my feet with her tears. You gave me no kiss to welcome me as you would any other guest. But she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil as any hospitable host would do, yet she anointed my feet with her ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, just like the greater debtor in the parable. And then Jesus added, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Perhaps that was a jab at Simon. She recognized Jesus for who he was, didn't she? The Son of God with authority to forgive sins. She obviously had an earlier encounter with him, heard his call to repentance and the promise of forgiveness of sins and a fresh start. She maybe even had had a private conversation with him earlier before he came to that dinner. We see here that Jesus was well aware of her background, yet he received her and told her she was forgiven. So like that debt-ridden man in the parable who owed so much, we see her responding with a lot of love towards Jesus, an extravagant, worshipful love. Why is that? Because she has been forgiven much. She now belongs to the forgiven much crowd. And she's showing that. She believes she's forgiven. She has faith in Jesus. So Jesus said to her in front of everyone, affirming her faith, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. We see his grace leads to peace in her life, inner peace and and peace with God. This is something which Simon obviously does not have or understand much about. Because he's kept Jesus and his message at arm's length. He has his legalistic religious background telling him that as long as he keeps doing the good things he's doing, he's okay in God's sight. He's a good, righteous man. And we see his true colors coming out as he's thinking about this woman and Jesus. He believes Jesus has it all wrong and has shown little love and no faith towards Jesus. Simon serves here as kind of a a foil, as we say in literary talk, a foil in this narrative whose critical thinking allows us to see and hear the truth which Jesus has for each one of us.
his message of forgiveness and his authority to give it. He's the Son of God. This woman's sinful debt has been canceled by Jesus and she's responding in faith-filled love, which obviously is pleasing to the Son of God, Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. Luke doesn't tell us how the meal ends, does he? <laughs> it must have been a little awkward, as red-faced Simon would say, I imagine, abruptly, please pass the bread. Dear friends, there's an important teaching here for us. Jesus points out in this little parable that we're all debtors in need of God's forgiveness. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God with our thoughts and our words and our actions and our inactions. Like the parable, we're the debtors, helplessly, hopelessly, unable to make things right with God, unable to pay our debt. God has every reason to throw the book at us, like the moneylender, and send us off to jail, to hell, but instead... He is the merciful one. He shows mercy towards us. It offers mercy and grace. I'm afraid that sometimes we forget God's greatness and holiness. We kind of shrink him in our minds. And we will sometimes, I think, forget about the depths of our sinfulness and downplay it and leave out our wretchedness in his sight. We forget our debt before him. We're prone to even start thinking that God owes us something. But God owes us nothing. We are beggars in his sight in need of his mercy. We need to pay attention to those words in John Newton's old familiar hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I'm not okay and neither are you. We're not mistakers who need more self-help. We're sinners in need of a Savior. I'm a self-centered wretch, spiritually bankrupt, unable to make things right with God. My good deeds are nothing more than filthy rags before this holy God. I break His commandments regularly, and I deserve punishment. And I need help. And the good news for beggars like me is that though we are sinful... God forgives our sins. He cancels our debt, but not without a great cost to himself. That cost is the suffering and death of his son, Jesus Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. On a cross, he paid the debt for our sins, for my sins and yours. When Jesus took his last breath on the cross, he cried out, It is finished, which means literally paid in full. Someone has said the gospel is like a banker walking up to us when we cannot pay our mortgage. And rather than foreclosing, he writes a check that pays off our debt. God is that spiritual banker who has paid our debt through Jesus Christ. We are forgiven in Christ. Like the last hymn that we heard says, Jesus paid it all. In this passage, we see that the Pharisees at the table questioning the authority of Jesus to forgive sins, because only God can do that, said amongst themselves, who does Jesus think he is? Well, they'll soon find out, because Christ's authority to forgive sins will be affirmed on Easter morning. 
as God raises him from the dead, endorsing his authority and his word. So let me stop here for just a minute and ask you, have you placed your trust in this Jesus Christ and what he's done for you? Have you joined the forgiven much crowd? Because, friend, if you're someone who's been keeping Jesus at arm's length, living with your own made-up theology about being good enough for God, I appeal to you today to give that kind of thinking up. It's a dead end. Lay down those trophies you've been depending on and clinging to and come to Jesus Christ who stands ready to forgive you and give you a new start and a place in his heaven. He knows your sin, but there's no sin too great for him to forgive. Christ's grace is available to the debtor. A new life which never ends is what he's offering you. Come to him and trust him with your life. And if you have placed your trust in Jesus and what he did for you, you're part of the forgiven much crowd, just like that woman this story is teaching us how to say I love you to Jesus for the rest of my life in response to his grace and mercy. It's really quite simple. How do you say I love you to Jesus? First, you say it with your serving as you serve Jesus. The woman served him, didn't she? She washed his feet. That was servant's work. Jesus himself later on would wash the feet of his disciples and say, I've given you an example. If I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, I want you to wash one another's feet. That pleases him. We also serve others in his name, remembering that he told us, as you did it to the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. You say it with your giving. She gave, didn't she? Her ointment. She gave sacrificially. That perfume was expensive. Ask yourself, does my giving reflect love for Jesus? Is it sacrificial? Or is it just simply a, a non-thinking type of gift, a tip? In my church, at stewardship time, I always have taught my folks, we give out of love to Christ in the area of our faith. My giving of my time, my finances, my skills for the kingdom of God its cause is a, is a gift of love in response to Christ's love for me, like the woman in our story. Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker which says, if you love Jesus, don't honk, tithe. <laughs> There's some truth to that. Finally, you say it with bold witnessing. The woman's actions were public, bold, courageous, a testimony for Jesus Christ. Here she is in hostile territory, and yet, without a word, in this instance, she boldly testified as to how wonderful it is to have Jesus forgive you and take over your life. And that, my friends, is how one says, I love you, to Jesus. My fellow debtors and beggars in Christ that have been forgiven, that is our encouragement today from God's word. We've been forgiven much. Hallelujah. So let us love him much in grateful response. May this next hymn be your prayer to him today and every day. Amen.
Now, as you go on your way, may the Lord go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You've been worshiping with the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to love much in grateful response to the amazing forgiveness we have received in Jesus Christ. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported entirely by the gifts of our listening audience. Estate gifts, large and small, are a significant part of our ministry's funding. Please consider a final gift to this important service as part of your estate planning. For more information, feel free to write us at Christian Crusaders 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. Our email address is cc at naz.org or feel free to call us toll-free at 1-888-693-2484. 
in the Waterloo Cedar Falls, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We thank each of you for your gifts and prayers. We are excited about our colorful, easy-to-navigate website where you can find both a printed and audio copy of today's message as well as many recent messages. Visit us online today at christiancrusaders.org. Thank you for worshiping with us this day, and please join us again next week on this same station. Conducting the service was our speaker, Pastor Steve Kramer. Christian Crusaders has been broadcasting biblical truth continuously since 1936.